Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, Hood Classics, Good Classics, Derek, 916-633-1537, Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter, Podcatcher, Apple iTunes, whatever. I know, I just saw something on Podchaser that really made me think about my life. Like, really made me focus on the things I say to y'all fuckers. I don't mean all of you are fuckers. I mean, some of y'all are fucking, which clearly makes you fuckers. I mean, you really need to think about what words mean. But still, to those y'all who are fuckers and the abstinencers, I don't fucking know. Fuck it. Fuckers. Look, fuckers. Look, I know that the thing I say about this show is that I read books. I read authors. I read Ratchet. Join me as I dive into books, both big and small, good and awful, and enjoy every moment of it. But you know what? God damn it. I don't enjoy every moment of it. It is literally impossible to enjoy some of these books that I've had to read. And that's not my fault. That's the fault of the authors. And that's one of the problems I have with books. And 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 mostly the problem I have with like Audible and anything other than the fucking library is the fact that when you buy a book, if the book sucks, you're stuck with that fucking book. So I'm doing y'all a service. Pay me. I'm kidding. Not really. Patreon. Um, buy me a coffee so I can get more books and then y'all can hear it. But there's been some books that have been pretty fucking dope. And there have been some books that have been pretty fucking awful. And so far this book is... It's good. It's a thing. You know, it's... it's. Um, I'll take it. I w- I, if this is a restaurant... And this book were a steak. I let it suck my dick. (laughs) Chapter 7. Only God can judge me. Mia Moore. Actually, that wasn't her. I'm going to stop right the fuck there. Because honestly, a bunch of people have said only God can judge me. One being Tupac. Tupac said it. He put it on a track. That means it's forever. Only God can judge me. Judge. Only God can judge me. I'm innocent, judge. Don't look at me like that. I don't know. But Tupac. uh, Floyd Mayweather. uh, Rumor has it he read it somewhere once. I'm going to let that joke sit there for a second. Anyhow. Only God can judge me. 
Mia Moore. And by the way, Mia Moore is literally spelled like Mia Moore, like my love, like M-I-A-M-O-R. The only problem is they got it all in one word, which really makes it a really nice name. I mean, I would name my kid Mia Moore. Kids would tease the fuck out of them. But I name my kid Mia Moore. I think it's I think it's pretty. I think. I think. Hold on, I'm gonna go check with my wife. Polls are in. My wife thinks the name is sexy. She'd take it. So yeah, we name a kid Mia Moore. And when she was crying and colicky and shit, I'd sing to her and I'd be like, I adore, I adore Mia more. Oh. Y'all young kids don't know shit about that. That's calling me bad. They also made a song called I Wanna Sex You Up. They weren't very subtle. Mia Moore stood nervously at the end of the pier. Goosebumps covered her arm as the mist from... Oh yeah, remember the way that this all worked out is that she went to the pier to meet up with Carter, uh, who used the powers of misogyny to get her to go out with him. Let's see how this works. Goosebumps covered her arms as the mist from the turbulent ocean blew onto the pier and sprinkled her with light kisses. Looking out on the water, she watched the waves as they washed up onto the shore. The white foam that they created was the only color she saw as she stared out into the black night. What are you thinking about? Carter asked. The sound of his baritone voice caused her to jump slightly, and she turned around to greet him. You, she replied as she looked up at him. Carter took in her feminine essence as his eyes scanned her body. She wore a mocha-colored wrap dress that stopped mid-thigh. It fit snugly around her voluptuous frame, revealing one shoulder and her toned upper back. Her thick thighs and lean legs glistened under the moonlight, and her hair was swooped to the side in an elegant bun. You look nice. Thank you, she blushed as she wrapped her arm in his, and they began to walk towards his car. So, tell me, where are we going tonight? she asked. You'll see, he replied as he led her down the steps to the pier. She followed him, but before stepping her feet into the sand, she removed her Louis Vuitton stilettos and placed them in her hands. He chuckled at her as he watched her shrink before him. Shut up. She hit him softly on the arm. These are a $300 pair of shoes. Where are we going anyway? You'll see, he replied as he led her to a secluded area on the beach. Mia Moore followed him behind a row of huge boulders that sectioned off a small piece of sand and smiled when she saw the intimate midnight picnic that Carter had set up. What's all this? She asked in delight as she sat down on the blanket. There were fruits, champagne, melted chocolate, and white rose petals everywhere. Carter had even gotten jarred candles and set them up around the site. No man had ever gone through so much trouble to impress her and she was taken aback by Carter's effort. He was definitely a different type of man, and she looked forward to the night ahead. I want to get to know you. I don't want there to be people around, or for you to feel like you got to put up an act in front of me, he replied. I see your tough girl demeanor, but I'm not buying it. Carter pulled the champagne out of the ice bucket and poured two flutes. He handed one to her, and she gratefully accepted the drink as she lifted the flute to her lips. Why is it so hard for you to believe that this is me? Because I see through you, Carter replied. I'm trying to get to know the real Mia Moore. 
Okay. So tell me what you want to know. Mia Moore folded her legs behind her and grabbed some grapes. Whatever you want to tell me. There isn't a whole lot to tell. What you see is really what you get. Mia Moore really didn't know what Carter wanted to hear. How could she sum up her entire existence in just a couple words? Right? Like, nigga, you say, I, I want to see behind the fake veneer, the veneer that you put up. I want to see the real. I want to see behind all the fakeness you put up for the people. So I led you here by yourself. And she's like, well, what do you want to know? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. No offense, Ma, but I don't see a whole lot, Carter stated. Mia Moore cut her eyes at him and stood to her feet. I don't know who the fuck this nigga think he is. Then what the fuck am I here for? She began to walk away. She didn't know why, but tears came to her eyes as she stormed off. It wasn't that she cared about what Carter thought of her. He wasn't the be-all and end-all, but she was offended by the fact that she appeared shallow at first glance. This nigga don't know shit about me. He don't know that I caught my first body when I was just 10 years old. It wasn't because I'm a killer or a murderer, but because I mistakenly shot him while he was on top of my sister raping her. He doesn't know that after that, Anissa and I were on our own because my mother was so enraged by the fact that we killed the man who kept the roof over our head. He's sitting over there talking about he don't see much. Fuck him. She cursed him silently as she wiped her eyes and fled down the sandy beach. Mia Moore was pissed off that Carter felt that he could pass judgment on her. Only God can judge me, she thought. She was so upset that her anger turned to sadness and regret as she thought about all the negative things she had been through. The average chick couldn't have survived her life circumstances. But under pressure, Mia Moore was forced to evolve into a woman who never wore her heart on her sleeve. She had become just as conniving, manipulative, and hardened as any man in the streets. He really don't know who I am. He got me all the way fucked up. Hey, hold up. Carter grabbed her arm. Let me go, she yelled as she snatched her arm away from him and continued to walk away. Carter could see that his words had hurt her, and he immediately regretted being so forward with her. He grabbed her again and hugged her tightly from behind as she fought to free herself from his hold. She was crying and visibly upset. Carter felt like an asshole but he had no clue to her tears were from the many demons that she had battled throughout the years. Her sudden breakdown had nothing to do with him. She had learned to suppress her emotions well. In her area of expertise, there was no room for feelings. Allowing herself to feel anything clouded her vision, and she always had to stay focused. Distraction meant death for her, and she learned that the hard way with Anissa. She hated herself for letting Carter see her so weak, which is why she fought so hard to get away from him. Whoa, Mia Moore, calm down. Get the fuck off of me. I apologize. I was out of line, he said as he continued to hold her tightly. Mia Moore's knees gave out underneath her as her sister's death hit her harder than ever before. It had been so long that she had cried that, now that she had started, she couldn't stop herself. All the pain that she had suppressed over the past 13 years was pouring out of her. Shh, Carter whispered in her ear as his arms comforted her. Let it out, Ma. 
This is what I was talking about. Now I see you. This is the girl I want to get to know, he told her. Get the fuck out of our face with this Dr. Phil, Dr. Oz bullshit. Carter let her collapse onto the sand, but his arms never left her body. He sat with her as she cried her eyes out. And eventually, she stopped fighting him and found a comfortable space within his embrace. After the tears stopped, they sat there silently, yet content with the intimate moment that was unfolding. Carter holding her in his arms, and Mia Moore listening to a strong heartbeat as she felt safe for the first time in her life. I'm sorry for popping off on you earlier, she finally whispered in a low tone. It's alright, Mia. I apologize for coming at you wrong. I didn't want to hurt your feelings. I just want to get to know the real you. The woman that I just saw break down is the one I'm trying to know. You think you can make that happen? Yeah, I could do that, she said with a half smile. One day I want to get to know what made you cry like that. I want to learn everything about you. I want to know what makes you cry, what makes you laugh, what you want out of life, what your dreams are. I want to know you, Ma. What year did this book come out? Because Ma's the thing right now. This book came out in 2018? They still saying Ma like that? For real? I've, I've been married too long, I guess. I, I just didn't know that they still use Ma. I thought this book came out in like 2008. The way they talking about Sean John and Ma and shit like that. I thought this is during the, the shiny suit era or something like that. Tears came to her eyes again and she stared into his brown, trusting eyes. She looked at the small scar that seemed to fit so perfectly with the features on his face. She was at a loss for words and she listened to him speak. Mia Moore couldn't help herself as she looked at the handsome man before her. His words were getting to her. She didn't know if it was a game or not, but if it was, she concluded that it was one that she would let herself believe. She felt compelled to kiss the lips that were saying all the right things. She leaned in and kissed him softly. His lips were soft and big. His masculine hands lightly massaged the back of her neck, causing her heart rate to increase. The fresh scent of Isimiyaki filled her nose, and she inhaled deeply, enjoying the scent. She had the first kiss jitters as butterflies fluttered in her stomach. Carter picked her up without ever breaking their kiss and carried her back to their picnic site. Setting her down gently, he watched her as she leaned back on her elbows and looked up at him. The lust and passion that burned in her eyes signaled what time it was. Mia Moore couldn't contain the fire that was ablaze between her legs. She had to have him, opening and closing her legs seductively while he gazed down at her. Carter could see her neatly trimmed pussy hairs, and his excitement heightened when he noticed that she wasn't wearing any panties, her skin blending with the color of the sand perfectly. Her body exuded sexiness. Carter licked his lips as he pulled his shirt over his head. Mia Moore put one finger in her mouth and sucked it erotically as she enjoyed the chiseled view in front of her. She took the moisture from her mouth and circled it on her clitoris. Her love button throbbed intensely as she rolled it between her fingers. You like what you see? Mia Moore asked as she inserted two fingers inside herself. Mia Moore was so sure of herself. She wasn't shy and was comfortable in her own skin, so she continued to please herself for a minute or two. Her pussy was soaking wet, and she began to grind her hips to her own beat. 
She closed her eyes as her other hand massaged her now stiff nipples. The feeling caused a low moan to escape her lips. Carter kept looking down at her and felt his dick get hard. His manhood was urging him to get in the game, but he contained himself, trying to savor the moment, not wanting to be too eager. When Mia Moore took her finger out of her pussy to taste her own juices, Carter could no longer contain himself. The print of his 11 inches was bulging in his jeans. Yeah, 11 inches. I, being a sound mind and body, know that if I pulled out 11 inches in front of my wife, the next words I would hear would be, hold on, hold on, hold on. (laughs) Wait, hold up. Hold up. Nah, hold up. 11 inches. Not the masterwork you think it is. I'm just saying from actually talking to women. Sincerely yours, a reader. The print of his 11 inches were bulging in his jeans, and he quickly stepped out of them and positioned himself on top of her. He grabbed one of the strawberries and put it in her mouth that she nibbled on sexily. His mouth found hers, and their tongues intertwined. He could taste the sweet fruit on her tongue along with the sweet taste of pussy as his rock-hard erection rubbed against her thigh. Carter stuck his finger in the melted chocolate and rubbed it on her nipples as he feasted on them, tugging at them gently with his lips and tongue. Mm. Mia moaned, her back arched from the tingling pleasure that was shooting through her back. Her back arched from the tingling pleasure I was shooting through her body. I could see that. I could see that. But her back arched from the tingling pleasure I was shooting through her back. It's no. Her body was like a buffet. Carter pouring champagne on top of her and licking it clean. Never leaving a trace behind. He made his way down to her womanly opening and lifted one leg in the air. What the fuck? What kind of charlatan book is this? Her womanly opening? Her womanly opening. God, okay. I know, y'all are probably jacking off to this. I should stop stopping and let y'all finish. Sorry. He made his way down to her womanly opening and lifted one leg in the air, which she rested on his broad shoulders as her eyes rolled back in her head. Carter then introduced his tongue to her clitoris, licking it gently as if he were tongue-kissing her mouth instead of her pussy. Mia Moore began to shake uncontrollably. No man had ever done her body so good. Carter definitely knew what he was doing. His head game was out of this world. Most men rushed and only went downtown to benefit themselves by getting the pussy more wet. But Carter took his time, inserting two fingers as she grinded on his face. Oh my God, she moaned as her hands found the back of his head. Wait, she whined. Carter was eating her pussy so well that Mia Moore couldn't wait to return the favor. She sat up on her elbows and attempted to get up, but Carter pulled her back underneath him as she lay back and watched his swell glisten in the moonlight, pre-cum resting on the tip. He rubbed her clit with his hat, and the warmth from his body temperature made her hot, sizzling against her honeypot. It had been a long time since she had been intimate with someone, and it wasn't until now that she realized how much she missed a man's touch. I want to feel you inside of me, she whispered as she wrapped her arms around his back and slid her hands down until they reached his tone behind. Wait, I don't have a condom, he whispered. 
he silently cursed himself for not being prepared. Mia Moore looked him dead in his eyes. Then don't make a baby if you don't want one. What? What the fuck? Then don't make a baby if you don't want what? She pulled him into her, and he immediately filled the space between her legs. His thick hardness throbbing inside of her as her walls contracted around his large shaft. Shit, you feel so good, he told her as he rocked in and out of her with a slow, passionate rhythm. Mia Moore was silent as she stared into his eyes. She had never been with the man that looked at her the way Carter did at that moment. Their gaze expressed more than words ever could. They had a sexual chemistry that was out of this world, and he was making her body hurt in a pleasing way. A tear slipped from her eyes, and he kissed it away as it rolled down her cheek. Mia Moore moved her wide hips in unison and matched him pump for pump, and Carter put his hands underneath her rear and lifted her hips, allowing him to dig deeper into her. Carter! She called out in ecstasy as he explored depths in her that she didn't even know existed. Carter, she repeated as he sped up and pounded into her a little harder. She was about to come, and from the low grunts that came out of his mouth, she could tell that he was about to nut at any moment. Make me come, Carter, she whispered. He pumped in her harder at the sound of her voice. Oh shit, Daddy, make me come, she begged. He stroked her faster. I'm going to make you come, Mia Moore. Oh shit, your pussy's so good, Ma. She grabbed his ass and rotated her hips into him as she felt his body reach his peak. Oh my, ah! She screamed as her toes curling and her body tensed up from the intensity of her orgasm. Damn, Ma, Carter said, pulling out nothing against her flat stomach. Mia Moore snuggled underneath Carter as they lay naked on the empty beach. He reached out and grabbed the blanket from their picnic and covered their bodies with it as they sat together and looked out on the ocean. Carter was silent, and Mia Moore instantly began to regret having sex with him. Damn, I know this nigga probably thinking I'm a hoe. I shouldn't have fucked him this soon, she thought. Mia Moore had only been with one other person her entire life, and she didn't know why she had let Carter have her body so easily. There was something about him that she trusted. And he had her open. Carter, I don't want you to think. I don't. So don't worry about it, he replied before she could even finish her sentence. He already knew what she was thinking, but he wasn't shallow enough to worry about anything that happened before him. They were both grown as hell, and he didn't want her to feel awkward for allowing him to enjoy her physically. He turned her face towards his. As long as you act like a lady... I'll never think anything less of you, you understand? I don't know what the fuck that means. This is me personally. I don't, I don't. But I guess that's supposed to be a deep moment. <clears throat> so let me say it with a deep voice. As long as you act like a lady, I'll never think anything less of you, you understand? She nodded her head. Will I get to see you again? I want to spend some time with you. But I need to take care of some business back home first. Back home? You're not from Miami? Mia Moore realized she didn't know a damn thing about this man. Nah, I'm from Michigan, from Flint. Carter played with her fingers. He brought her hand to his mouth and kissed it. How long will you be gone? 
Carter smiled. He could hear the disappointment in her voice. He knew he had to be careful with this woman. He could see that Mia Moore played tough on the outside, but on the inside, she was hurt and neglected from her past, which made her susceptible to heartbreak. Her vulnerability pleased him, and he was willing to become her protector if she played her cards right. Not long. I just need to tie up some loose ends. It looks like I'm going to be moving down here for a moment. Don't worry, Mia Moore. I'll make sure I check for you when I get back. She sat with her back to his chest and turned her neck to kiss him on the lips. I better get going, she said as she grabbed her dress and stepped into it. Carter stood and slipped back into his clothing as well. Mia Moore retrieved her clutch bag and pulled out a pen to write her number down. She grabbed his hand and wrote it on his skin and then wrote his number down as well. Y'all niggas don't have cell phones? Like, it's 2018, sure, but you, you don't? Have a cell phone? Like, who's writing shit down? Like, nigga, just put your number in my contacts. Call me when you come back in town, she said as she looked up at him with a smile. Carter grabbed the back of her neck and brought her body close to his as he leaned down to kiss her lips. Be safe. Mia Moore stepped out of his arms and walked away. She smiled and waved before walking down the beach towards the pier. Carter shook his head as he watched her stroll away. Her hair was a mess, and sand stuck to her legs as her hips swayed from side to side, but she had his attention. Her swagger was intriguing. He rubbed his goatee, and a sly smile graced his lips. I'm going to definitely check for you, Mia Moore. Believe that. He said to himself as she disappeared into the darkness. Okay, cool, 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 cool. I had to go back and look at the actual book, because see, what I have is... The books one through three all in like a deluxe package thing. You can get it if you just click. You can get it. You can get it if you just click on the um, link in the show notes. But the actual book was written in 2008. And that's exactly what I thought. Because this shit reads like a 2008 book. I mean, it's not bad at all. I'm really enjoying it, but still. Just wanted to let y'all know that shit. Chapter 8. Welcome home unknown. Breeze hugged Carter goodbye. Are you really coming back? Yeah, B, I'll be back. I gotta get some things together in Flint, but as soon as that's taken care of, I'll be on the first flight down. Carter could see the doubt in his sister's eyes. I promise. Money and Carter slapped hands and embraced. Be safe, fam, Money told him. No doubt, baby. Mecca walked by and nodded his head, but didn't acknowledge Carter's departure words, and Taryn hugged him gently. We better get out of here before you miss your flight. Polo patted Carter's shoulder, and they hopped into the black limousine and pulled away from the estate. Mati noticed a black limo pulling away from the diamond estate and halted his driver. Wait, Mati instructed as he sat a block down from his intended destination. Me will sit here for a second and watch. He checked the 9mm Desert Eagle that was holstered in his waistline to ensure that it was locked and loaded before he nodded his head at his driver. Tell the guard that Mr. Diamond forgot something, Matisse said, hoping that the guards would not want to check the inside of the car as they pulled up to the gated entrance. He wanted them to think that his limo was the same limo that had just left the estate 15 minutes earlier. His driver followed his instructions to the T, and just as Matisse had expected, they were given access to the household without suspicion. 
The guards were clueless to the fact that their enemies were the true passengers behind the dark limo tent. Matisse looked to his full-blooded Haitian soldiers that sat around him, all armed with semi-automatic pistols and ready for whatever. When the limo stopped in front of the house, he exited the limo calmly and rang the doorbell, his goons positioned behind him. Breeze answered the door, and her smile quickly faded when she noticed the Haitian men on her doorstep. Ah! She screamed. No need to scream, Diamond Princess, Matisse said it calmly, realizing he was standing in front of the only daughter of his sworn enemy, Carter Diamond. Me come peacefully to talk with the head of the cartel. At that moment, Taryn came gliding into the room. What are you screaming about, Breeze? Who is? Her words trailed off, and her eyes turned cold as she stared into the eyes of Matisse, the man who had murdered her husband in cold blood. How dare you! Terrence screamed as tears filled her eyes. She smacked Matia across the face with all her might. Her rage was apparent, and she stood her ground, even though fear gripped her heart. Matia's soldiers tensed up at her reaction, but again Matia instructed them to stand down. Go and get your brothers, Terrence spoke calmly but sternly, yet her eyes never left those of the enemy. She didn't want to give them the pleasure of seeing her intimidated. Breeze ran out of the room to get her brothers. Me come in peace, Mati repeated when Mecca and Monroe appeared. Fuck motherfuckers coming to the estate, Mecca screamed. He immediately pulled two four fives from his waistline and trained them on Mati. We need to talk, Mati stated. As you can see, you family's not untouchable, young Mecca. If me wanted to bring malice to your door, your sister and mother would be dead right now. Me come to call a truce. Only after you murdered my father and we put the heat on your ass. You're here because of what happened at your daughter's birthday party. You are not untouchable, Mati. If you wanted to bring malice to your door, then you would have buried your fucking daughter last week, Monroe said it calmly. He pulled his own 9mm from his waistline and rested it on his palm at his side. Me understand. Bloodshed came too close to me home with me baby girl. Me will stand down if the cartel will. Mecca yelled, I'ma murder your fucking daughter, motherfucker. Fuck a truce, bitch. You took my father. I take her. Fair exchange ain't no robbery. You kill my daughter. I kill your sister. And then what, young soldier? The cartel has nothing to lose by calling a truce. You keep your territory and we all gain peace of mind. Monroe knew that a truce made sense, but was reluctant to make a deal with the devil. How do we know you'll keep your end? Me a man. Me will keep me word. Me word is all me have. Matisse held out his hand. Monroe stared contemptuously at Matisse's hand, rage burning in his heart from the fresh wound of his dead father. He knew that the truce was a wise decision, at least for the time being. He shook Matisse's hand firmly staring him in the eye. Monroe's gaze was nothing short of menacing, and it held an underlying message, one that said he had not forgotten what Matia had done to his father. We have an understanding. Now see yourself off our property, Monroe stated. He watched as the Haitians retreated and the limo disappeared beyond the security gates. Money turned to Mecca and said, Go handle that stupid motherfucker at the gates. Dead his ass. 
They never should have made it to the door. Mecca stormed out the house and walked across a large manicured lawn while Mattia and his limo approached the steel gate. They reached the exit at the same time, and Mattia rolled down his window. The guard posted at the gate looked at Mecca approaching, and then shifted his gaze back to Mattia. I just thought you should know why you're about to die, Mattia said as he lit a cigar and rolled his window back up. At that exact moment, Mecca reached the guard and removed his chrome 9mm Ruger. M Mecca, I didn't know that was... Boom! Mecca didn't hesitate to pull the trigger. The guard's life was ended instantly as the hollow point bullet ripped through his skull. Mecca then hit the button to open the gate from Matisse's limo and ice grilled the car as it rolled away towards safety. Truce or no truce? I'm gonna avenge Papa's murder. Niggas got me fucked up. Carter was finally home after being in Miami for the past couple weeks. He walked into a spacious two-bedroom that sat in a suburban area just outside Flint, Michigan. Carter took a deep breath as he realized how good it felt to be there. His condo was small but comfortable. He had just purchased it a year earlier. He had always said when his money got right, he would move out of the hood, and that's exactly what he did. The brick walls were ornamented with various Afrocentric paintings. A large picture of Bob Marley smoking a joint and playing his guitar hung above the fireplace. The place was definitely a bachelor's pad, but Carter had decorated it pretty well. He tossed a duffel bag full of money onto his brown sectional sofa and pulled his gun from his waist and placed it on the bar-style kitchen countertop. Carter was getting money in Flint, and it wasn't a secret. For every getting money dope man, there was a hundred broke niggas. So Carter knew that he was a target for the local stick-up kids in his old neighborhood. Moving out the hood was not an option after Carter began to become a heavyweight in the streets. Just as he was about to walk to the refrigerator and toss out some of the food he left there, he heard a noise coming from the back. The fuck was that? Carter scooped up his gun and listened closely. He heard commotion coming from his back room and knew that someone was trying to find his stash. His street instincts immediately kicked in. He switched his banger off safety and began to creep to the back. As he got closer, he saw that his guest bedroom was where the noises were coming from. His door was closed, so he crept up and kicked it open, his gun drawn. The big butt Latino woman screamed, Oh daddy, fuck me poppy, as Ace beat her from the back. The sounds of Ace's ball smacking against the woman's genitalia filled the air and his chain jingled on his bare chest as he continued to sex the girl, while Carter pointed his gun at him. Carter smiled and lowered his gun as he chuckled to himself. He was laughing at how crazy his best friend was. He didn't even stop pumping when he saw Carter bust in. The girl was so busy getting her back blew out, she didn't even notice Carter come in. Ace looked at his best friend and threw his head up, greeting him while still pleasing himself. Carter walked out, shaking his head from side to side. He knew it wasn't a good idea to leave an extra set of keys with Ace. He had told Ace to come in and check on his spot periodically, not bring his jump-offs there. That nigga's wild, and Carter said in irritation as he walked to his living room and tossed his gun on the couch. Ace and Carter had been best friends since third grade, and were more like brothers than anything else. Carter didn't like the fact that Ace had a chick up in his spot, but didn't say anything. 
He didn't want to cock block his man, but he was surely going to have to express his discomfort later. Carter took a seat on his couch and felt his cell phone vibrate on his hip. He looked at the caller ID and smiled. It was Mia Moore calling. I gotta stay focused. I'ma get at her later, he thought to himself as a small grin spread across his face. Carter wanted to pick up for her, but he wanted to stay focused on his brief return home. He was planning to move to Miami and get on his hustle. He figured Miami was as good of a place for him to take over and join the family business. He saw more money in the three weeks in Miami than in a year hustling in Flint. The move was a must for him. Just as Carter finished his thoughts, Ace came from the back, and then came from the back, <laughs> buttoning up his Sean John jeans. Fam, what's good? I thought you weren't coming back for a week or so. Ace walked over to the bar and rested his hands on the counter. Carter remained silent and just looked at him with a piercing stare. Ace knew that his right-hand man was upset with him, so he tried to make light of the situation. Did you see the ass on that broad? He nodded his head in the direction of the back room. Just before Carter could tell Ace about himself, the naked Latino woman came walking out, and all eyes were on her. She walked out without a care in the world, as if she wasn't butt naked. Her behind was so big, you could literally sit a cup on top of it and it wouldn't move. The only thing she wore was red pumps, and her plump, voluptuous ass cheeks shifted sides with every stride. The non-stop jiggling had the two men in a trance. Hello, Poppy, she said as she looked over at Carter on the sofa. She then turned to Ace and gave him a passionate kiss before walking over to the refrigerator and grabbing some orange juice. Ace, you didn't tell me you were having company. She put her hand on her hip and cocked her head to the side. Carter couldn't believe his ears. His man Ace was stunting for a hoe, pretending that he was his condo rather than Carter's. Ace looked at him and read his mind. He grinned and shrugged his shoulders as to say, How could I not stunt for an ass like that? Carter shook his head and headed out the door. He motioned for Ace to follow him. Once they reached the door and out of earshot of the woman, Carter told him, Have that trick out of my shit in an hour. You owe me a stack for fucking in my bed too, nigga. You buy me some new sheets and all. Carter's face was expressing his anger at this point. He peeked around the corner to get another look at the horse ass the woman was toting and then looked back at Ace. Shorty got a fat ass though, he said as he smiled and stuck out his hand. Ace returned the smile and shook his man's hand. He was relieved and surprised by Carter's reaction. He was sure that he was going to spass out on him for having a girl up in his house and pretending like it was his own. He and Carter were like brothers and Carter wouldn't front his man out like that, but Ace was surely going to pout in the pockets for his little fun. I got you, Carter. My fault about this little situation. You know my baby mama be popping up in my crib acting a fool. Anyway, I'm glad you're back home, my nigga. Shit been crazy since you left. After I drop her off, I'll meet you at the spot. I need to pick up anyway. Look, I'll pick up the cash from the spot. You just get her out of here and meet me there when you finish up, Carter said as he opened the door and headed out. Just before he closed the door, he turned around and looked at Ace sternly. Don't ever bring a bitch to my house, Ace. We gotta stay smart, alright? Alright, Ace said just before he closed the door. 
Carter drove his black-on-black 2008 Impala down I-75, bobbing his head to rapper T.I.C.D. Now that I've figured out what year this book come out, now they're going to say it all over the place, like 2008 Impala and naming shit that came out in 2008. Watch. Okay. He was on his way to visit his candy shop. Having been away for weeks, he knew he had a nice piece of change waiting for him in the hood. Before he left, he had hit all his forehead soldiers with a half kilo on consignment. That meant around 40000 together was owed to him. For years, Carter had been dealing with straight blow, raw cocaine. But after he was exposed to Miami's heroin trade, he wanted in. Monroe and Polo had offered him a position in the business, and the offer was too good to refuse. He told them that he had to return home to handle some business and would return to join the cartel. Carter's soldiers didn't know, but he was going to refuse the consignment money and give it to them as a farewell gift. He was ready to leave the murder capital that he called home. Carter pulled onto the block in North Saginaw and Harriet and saw his goons standing up on the corner trying to make pay. He crept up the street behind his limo tent and parked on the curb in front of the candy shop. As soon as Carter stepped out, he shut down the block. It was scorching hot at 96 degrees, and the sun seemed to bounce off his iced-out Jesus piece. Shirtless, his chain hung down to his belt buckle, and all the tattoos on his ripped body were on display. He wore a Detroit fitted cap pulled low over his eyes, crisp jeans, and butter Timberlands to top it off. Everyone had their eyes on him, and the hood threw him an onslaught of greetings. Even the small kids playing in the street stopped and admired him. Carter proceeded to walk into the candy shop. Carter, what's good? Yo, Carter, glad you're home. What up, boy? Carter released a small smile and a peace sign as he headed into the apartment projects where the coke was manufactured. He walked up to the fifth floor of the projects. He knocked on the door in a pattern only he and his workers knew and gained entry. When he walked in, the smell of cooked dope filled his nostrils. It was business as usual with topless women cutting up the cooked coke on the round wood table and naked women with a doctor's mask scattered over the room doing their assigned job in the drug operation. Carter smiled, knowing his small operation was still running smoothly during his absence. He left Ace in charge while he was away. And just as he expected, everything was butter, making the offer that Polo made him that much more tempting. Carter walked through the house and greeted his workers and henchmen as he made his way to the back where the money was held. He walked into the room and saw one of his head lieutenants, Zaire, a blunt hanging out of his mouth, running money through the money machine. Zaire was a little nigga. Only 18, he was a smooth-faced, fast-talking hustler at the top of his game. He had been working for Carter since he was 14, and he was the one who ran that particular spot. Zaire reminded Carter of himself, and Carter knew he was the future. He had a certain swagger about himself that typified gangster. Zaire was so busy staring at the money, he didn't even see Carter enter the room. Family, family, what's good? Carter asked as he walked towards the table. Oh shit, my nigga, what's good? Zaire got up and embraced Carter. When you get back, I came in last night. How's business? Up and down. Yo, I got that for you, plus interest, Zaire said, referring to the weight that Carter had hit him with before he left. Yeah, that's what I came to talk to you about, Carter took a seat. 
That's on you, fam. You don't owe me anything. You serious? Yeah, you good. I'm out of here for good this weekend. Take it as a gift, know what I mean? From now on, you can get the Coke from Ace. He got the same connect, and the prices are going to remain the same. Carter held out his hand. Zaire shook Carter's hand. He was happy to hear that he didn't owe Carter any money, but sad to hear that his man was leaving the city for good. He knew that Flint was losing a thorough dude. Honestly, he didn't like the idea of buying Coke from Ace because he knew how hot-headed he could be at times. Zaire couldn't believe that Carter would give up his successful cocaine operation. Yo, are you really leaving for good? Yeah, fam. I'm done. Carter knew that the paper he was making in Flint was remedial, compared to the opportunity that awaited him in Miami with the cartel. He was about to follow in his father's notorious footsteps. Carter turned to leave, but before he left, he took off his three-carat pinky ring and tossed it to Zaire. Carter loaded his Range Rover with his luggage with the help of Ace and Zaire as he prepared to leave for Miami. Once the car was loaded up, Carter slapped hands with his crew and told them that he would send for him once he got comfortable in Miami. Anxious to get back to Miami, he got in the car and pulled off. He tried to convince himself that he was looking forward to getting money there, but seeing Mia Morgan was definitely a factor in his decision. 916-633-1537 Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com is the email address. Ratchet Book Club is where you can find us on Twitter. Uh, leave a review, Podchaser, Apple, you know, all the places. Let me know where you left it at. Um, Patreon.com backslash single simulcast. Buymeacoffee.com backslash sscast. I think that's about it. Thank y'all so much for listening. I'm 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 liking this one. I'm cool with this one. After that whole um, debacle that was loving my wife and her sister two part three, and then the other debacle that was the mind fuck that was old thought next door part two. I'm liking this. Of course, this is the first book. Shit always gets hazy around the third book, but we'll see. Again, thank y'all so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace. and outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know about now, just listen.